Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're watching this. Welcome to another edition of Hypnosis Week. My name, as you know by birth, is Alex William Smith, but I'm better known in the world of hypnosis and I'll kind of mine things as Jonathan Royal, the British bad boy of hypnosis. And the only plug you're going to get about me is you can go to my website, magicalguru.com. Every week we've been having amazing guests and I am excited to have a guest that, as far as I know, has not been on a hypnotherapy-related uh, interview show. And you're probably going to think, some of you watching, how does this tie in with hypnotherapy? So I want to say in advance, before I introduce you to my guests, that what we do as hypnotherapists relies on people's belief systems. It relies on taking their outdated beliefs and perceptions and, with positive intent, manipulating those to get rid of the stuff that was making them do the things they don't want to do and instill stuff that will make them do the things they want to do or vice versa you know if there's something they're not doing we need them to release the things that are stopping them from doing it and get the stuff that will help them constructively achieve what they want so it's all about beliefs and perceptions and sometimes you can learn more about manipulating people's beliefs and perceptions by looking at something that's not connected to your own field so that isn't directly hypnotherapy you can often learn more about suggestion for example i always say through watching a good lawyer defending a case it's the difference between him saying to someone who's accused the prosecution saying how fast were you speeding around that corner which gives a suggestion that they're guilty or the defense lawyer going so um at what speed were you going it has a totally different perception in the minds of the people it's said to and perception and suggestion as a lot of you watching know can be both verbal it can also be visual and they say the camera can never lie but today's guest is going to explain to you it most certainly can an experienced magician a member of the magic circle in london a filmmaker of much experience and renown and the man behind arguably the world's most elaborate and uh, amazingly successful hoax of all time, namely the alien autopsy video, which people perceive, a lot of people believed to be a genuine video of an alien that was apparently found at the uh, crash site in Roswell um, in 1947. And this footage apparently surfaced, apparently is real, and loads of people still believe it's real, even though my guest today has come out and said different. So please welcome to the show the man himself, the man who holds the key to those secrets, Spiros Milaris. Hello, Alex. Nice to meet you again. See you again. Pleasure to be here. You too, sir. Well, um, look, I'm going to, before we get into the actual alien autopsy video that you, you're responsible for, I want to both for the people who are hypnotherapists watching this, but also the UFO types that might watch this. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that you may not, you may have been asked before, but you may not. Okay. That seem a bit irrelevant, but they're actually really relevant um, as have become clear. So the first one is, we know that you're going to explain enough to us so that we can then seek out your book when it comes out and your live talks about how this was all hoaxed and set up and how to manipulate people's perceptions but just because the famous alien autopsy video is a hoax and you know that beyond any reasonable doubt are you saying 
that there's no such thing as alien life full stop or do you still entertain that possibility oh no i wouldn't i wouldn't never say that i would never say there's no alien life i uh, i always work on the on the basis of logic you know the logical conclusion is that um you know if you've seen something right you can you can wholeheartedly say what you saw okay i've never seen an alien so mm-hmm. i don't know if they exist or not so if you said to me you have seen an alien I have to bow to you and say, okay, great, tell me all about it. I'm not going to say don't be silly, they don't exist, because I don't know. Um, the, the, the common um, pattern of thought in, in, the, in the public's eye is it would be very naive and very arrogant of us to think that we're the only living, um, intelligent uh, life form in all the galaxies and all the universes, right? So that, that's, that makes total sense. That's logical. Um, we haven't seen any, okay? And that's that's the that's the bit that makes us go, okay. Well, and from my perspective, uh, I believe they exist. I don't believe they're visiting this planet. No, you think they've got better things to do? Well, I think they don't. I don't think they can get here in time. Um, I don't know anything about aliens, you know. But but if you if you try and make a logical, as I say, logical, we only we can only draw on on the things we know, the expertise we know. We know about the human body. We know about insects and animals, okay. And we know how long they live, and we know how they eat and drink, and, and how they survive, and how they reproduce, okay. So for us to create a scenario where you can travel hundreds of thousands of light years from one planet to another without dying in the process, okay? You'd have to do a number of things, okay? Where Star Trek actually actually quite quite clever. They create a big ship where they've got lots of people on there and those people can reproduce, okay? So as one dies, another one comes up and, and that's the way you can get further and complete a mission. Maybe that's how they do it, I don't know. I have never seen one. But um, in my alien autopsy, what I chose to do was to make the bodies not born, okay? So they're grown. So this is sci-fi, okay? But they're grown. That makes sense to me. If you can grow a body, then you can then wear it out and then you can move into the next one, okay? So you're not effectively, you're not dying. Um, the funny thing is, you say it's sci-fi, but I mean, heck, we know about test tube babies. We now know that they are genetically, you know, yeah. taking stem cells and growing parts of body. So it's not really sci-fi, is it now? Well, it, it was. It was in 1995. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know. So um, yeah. So as I say, Star Trek was well ahead of its time, and so was my film because um, a lot of the things that you come up with in in a in the realm of entertainment um, do tend to come true because you it's not so far fetched. That you you create an idea, an ideology that, that could be, and then the next thing you know they're cloning a sheep, and then it's like, okay, hold on, hold on a minute. this is this is exactly what I was talking about. Now this, I know some of these are ridiculous. I know you've answered them on your your group Alien Autopsy Fact Files on Facebook, but for the purpose of this, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I know for a fact the the Alien Autopsy video is bullshit in the context of. It definitely was a hoax and faked and done by you. However, to play devil's advocate, if it had happened and the powers that be, governments, wanted to cover it up, wouldn't they get somebody like you to come out and say the things you've said to try and, you know, discredit it? 
Absolutely. Why not? Right. Why not? But the, the, the problem that we have in this scenario is that uh, the reality backs up a fake and the fairy story backs up a conspiracy theory. OK, now um, I'll give you a good, a good example. OK, I made a creature that did not fit what all the people that said they saw an alien looks like. OK, so they they the eyewitnesses, the supposed eyewitnesses, we saw an alien. What's it like? It's got three fingers. It's got a claw, got big head with these big black eyes, little thin neck, very skinny, about four foot tall. Right. All of these things are on record before I made my film. OK, yeah. I, I went against that. So what I did, I created a very stocky, muscular body, five foot tall. I made it with six fingers and six toes. I made the black eyes because you, you have to keep some consistency. Otherwise, you lose your audience. Right. But I challenged the audience as a double bluff. And what I said was, you know what? This is what you said you saw. And then the, anyone would, with, with, with the right frame of mind would say, why would a hoaxer go against what they say they saw? He'd make what they said they saw and it would back you up. But if you go against it, False logic makes it seem more real and therapists watching this will know how powerful a technique that is in therapy. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. So, double bluff. It's a double bluff. Okay. Uh, I've gone against what you said it looks like and I'm not afraid of that. Okay. Then their, their perception has to change or they have to go against me. Okay. Because they're so in love with the knowledge, the, the, the notion of there being an alien. This is a smoking gun. We've got an alien. Look, there it is. Okay, we can't diss this because this is our evidence. Okay, so let's go with it. Okay, let's go with it. So the confirmation oh, yeah, bias, as they would yes, say, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what we ended up with is um, a creature that never existed before 1995. Now here's a fantastic thing, right? This is a really amazing thing. Lots of people, prominent people, have come forward and said they saw my film before I made it, okay, before 1995. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, so as a onlooker, you're gonna say, ha they saw it before this guy said he made it, therefore he's lying and he's covering it up and these guys are real. Well, yeah. here's the problem with that scenario. No one in, the, in history has described my creature or my film before 1995. After 1995, people have come forward and said, yeah, we saw this in 1969. Well, why didn't you say something in 1969? Why did you wait until I made it before you said something? Do you think they're purposely lying or it's just a case of reconstructed memory? Tricking them? You know what? It's a bit of both. It's a bit yeah. of both. You've got two sides of the coin. You've got the ones who are um, trying. I had, I had somebody yesterday who, who emailed me. And they said, I saw this film many years ago and I believe it's real. So I said, OK, how many is many years ago? And they said at least 20. I said, well, it's the 25th anniversary in July. OK, so it's this film that you've seen. Right. Because they don't know. They don't know how long it's been around. They don't know. So she believed it was genuinely real because she saw it a long, long time ago and she's only just seen it on the Internet. So her perception is a different one from, say, for instance, the ufologist. And to be a ufologist, you don't need to have any any kind of qualifications. 
No. Any, any at all, right? What's an alien look like? All right, you're, you're an expert now. Okay, nobody knows, right? So, so you don't have to have any qualifications, but, but they want to be special. They need to be somebody in the field. So the minute they say, yep, I saw this film in 1969 and it was in a military base in, in America and right now this person is a key player. All of a sudden they're qualified, they're special, right? And it's not until you dissect what they say that you realise actually they're lying. Can I just throw this into you then? I think obviously there's definitely some of them that are lying with conscious knowledge, they're lying. I think probably a lot of them are fooling themselves because they're clinging to their sense of identity, that thing that makes them feel a bit special, being belonging to this group. Um, As a hypnotherapist, um, there are hypnotherapists out there who specialise in or well, a subsection is specialising in uh, people who claim to have been abducted by aliens. Yeah. yeah. And in the early 90s, and to be precise, by the early 90s, I mean 1990, 1991 and 1992, I was resident at Rochdale Hypnotherapy Centre in Rochdale with one of my hypnotherapy mentors, Mr Paul Brady. Um, and he was getting quite a high number of clients who were claiming to have been abducted by aliens. Yes. And he sent one or two of them to me, and we did regression stuff to get them to relive the memories. And I can honestly say they certainly didn't say that any of them had six fingers. So don't worry, I'm not going to try and throw that, (laughs) get publicity out of it. They didn't. However, they definitely did describe the kind of eyes in the kind of shape and that but there again that element could easily have been construed from sci-fi previous i suppose i believe that all these people seem genuinely sincere like they truly genuinely sincerely believe this has happened to them i've met some of those people yes and i have no reason to disbelieve those people that I, i did sessions with as being anything other than genuine, sincere people who believe that had happened, albeit that I know as a therapist, it is possible for the mind to distort situations that are painful and traumatic into something else to protect your yeah. mind, and that some of these cases have definitely later on uh, been shown that the person was sexually abused and w- w- was the mind was kind of turning it into something different to try and protect themselves. But, yeah, you say you've encountered some of these people. What's your thoughts on these people who think they've been abducted? Well, you know what? Only only recently I met a lady who told me a story about how she was abducted as a child, hasn't told anybody for many, many years. There was a friend with her. Um, she, she, she told me in quite detail what had happened. And um, I've, got to, I've got to always pull that back and say, OK, so did you see this? Did you actually experience that? Because, for example, uh, I, have, I have a lovely story that I tell, okay, which is, it's about my mum, okay? My mum is very religious, okay? She believes in Jesus, she believes in, in God, she believes in prayer uh, and all that sort of stuff. Now, I had a dream one time that I was flying, okay? So I was on my back, I was floating around. It was amazing. It's an amazing dream. We've all had these dreams. And I woke up thinking I can fly. 
Okay, I haven't quite woken up. I still believe I can fly. Yeah. And I, I, I move my arms a little bit, nothing happens. I'm a dead weight. And I realize I'm in bed. And oh God, it's a dream. Okay. And I realize it was a dream. I can't fly. But you know what? Up until the point where I actually tried to lift myself again up, and that to that point, I was convinced I could fly. But the reality of the bed and the fact that I couldn't fly woke me up to the fact that it was a dream. And I accepted it was a dream. Now, my mum had a dream. And her dream was Jesus came to her in her sleep, told her to go to church and light a candle for her brother, and her brother would get better because he wasn't well. What did she do? She woke up. She realized she was in bed, asleep. She realized it was a dream. She still got up. She got dressed. She went to church and she lit the candle. No questions. Total belief, right? Now, I can say to you, I won't say to her because I, uh, I would never hear the end of it, but, but I can say to you, you know what? What's, the, what's to say that her dream wasn't just her mind creating a lovely place for her to, to like, like minded, okay? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a healing thing. And, and she's worried about her brother. Of course, it's in her mind, right? What can I do? I'm calling for Jesus. Jesus is going to help me. And Jesus came and he, he helped. And he said, light the candle, okay? So, so my, my point is the two sides are exactly the same scenario. One, the, the person knows it wasn't real. And the other, the person believes wholeheartedly it was real. Nothing I can say to her will change her mind. No element of logic. If I say to her, the mind plays games, the mind will shut you down if you're in danger. It will make you sleep until the pain goes, until you're... Yeah. It, it, it controls you and it lies to you. It tells you things that are not there. You see a shadow that isn't there. You see a ghost. You know, you, you make things up in your head. Maybe you did see a ghost, right? But we, but this, back to that logical thing. So with, with regards to the people that have been abducted, when I spoke to this lady, and, and I, the jury's out. I don't know if it's true. And we're going to do this regression thing, and I'd like you to be a part of that because I want to do it on a number of levels. Mm -hmm. And what the idea is, um, she told me the story, two little girls went out to play in a field. They vanished for several hours, six hours. When they reappeared, they were the other side of the field, a very long way away. And she had a big pain in her hip, as if something had been inserted into her hip. Mm -hmm. Now, <laughs> this, is the, this is the bit that, that I don't, you see, a bit of logic has been given to her by somebody who should know, but she didn't accept it, okay? So what she, what she went home and the parents said, well, it looks like you've been bitten by a snake, okay? Huh? Doc, the doctor came and he said, it looks like it's an adder bite. And in Scotland, where she was, there are adders. And that makes total sense. How did they end up from that place to that place? We don't know, that's, that's an unknown. But when you're out of your face, because you know what? Um, she said, well, it couldn't have been a snake bite because my skin wasn't broken. OK, well, if it's a if it's a, a young snake, one, the poison won't kill you. It won't hurt you. It will just make you hallucinate. But this, the, the little needle um, fangs will not make won't break the skin. They're like needles, they, you know. So that makes sense to me. OK, mm -hmm. the doctor came. He said, you've been bitten by a snake. No. Nope. I know what happened. We're taken to a spaceship and, and they, were, they were doing experiments. And she actually used the words. She, 
she said she, they were, I think she said they were nine years old. And she actually said the words, we lost our virginity that day. Right? That's powerful stuff for a child, you know. Uh, you know. Yeah. Okay. So, so we lost our virginity that day. And she's so sincere. And I can see that she's hurting. So I can't disbelieve her. I believe she believes. And I believe that it's two things. It either happened or she hallucinated. All of this stuff happened in her head. But for a, a nine-year-old child to, to think of all this stuff. Oh, something other... traumatic happened and the brain trying to protect them from the trauma of perhaps being abused yeah. by another in the field. Was it, yeah, was it a man? Was it a person? And uh, somehow they, they, they created a, a, a more acceptable scenario, you know, to protect. I don't know. But she, she wants to know what's happened. And she maintains she has an implant in her knee, in her, sorry, in her, her hip. Yeah. So we're going to do x-rays. We're going to do x-rays. We're going to do the whole thing. She's up for it. Um, my, my little test was, so what do you want from this? Because you know what, mm. that, there's the, what, what's your motivation? Because if your motivation is to write a book and make money and do a TV show and right, I'm going to think of it differently. And she said to me, I'd rather my name didn't go out. I, I, I'm quite happy to tell you everything, but I don't really want people to know who I am because I'll be ridiculed. Okay. But I, but I just need to know the truth. Now, now I, now I believe more. Now I'm thinking, okay, she's not out for the limelight. She's not out to be special. She, you know, she said a couple of things which I then investigated. I'm not a UFO expert, although I'm, I'm made the alien autopsy. I'm not actually in the UFO community. I don't know a lot about, you know, I've got friends who are, and they, they give me bits of information. And I've forgotten the name of this, this um, breed of alien that she mentioned, but she said she's a crossbreed of... Um, I know when I was doing... Uh... The regression stuff in the 90s it mainly came up either the greys not the greys the greens more no, it was a, and then it was there was a, sort of the more reptilian looking no it was a name it was a uh, oh, the an, an anuki no 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 um uh, what i'll do is when i when, when we finish i'll do i'll find out and i'll i'll, I'll email you the name but yeah. we checked it out and that's a hoax that was an established hoax. So right. in the UFO community, they found that this, this is nonsense, right? But she might have heard it from somewhere. She might have, I don't know. And she she kind of hung on to it, thinking, oh, maybe that's me. That's what I am. It fits me. So I'm not saying she's a liar. I'm not saying she's delusional even, because she's very, very smart, very compassmentous, very you know, amenable. And she she's, you know, she's clever. She's not a silly person. So So I've got to believe something happened that's that's conned her her mind's lied to her or it really did happen so um philip mantle that i mentioned maybe you should have philip on on the show at some point because he's he's uh, he's very knowledgeable on this this side of stuff he's mm. he's uh, a publisher as well and he's he's got a there's a guy called calvin parker and he was fishing in america with his friend and they got abducted and since his story came out, lots of people who saw the event come, have come forward. And because they're all different people and unassociated, because it was on a river, 
It was on, mm-hmm. on, a, on a river and, and lots of people from all, all different angles across the river, the other side, all sorts, that, on bridges, all sorts, have all given testimony that fits. So the stories don't conflict. They, they're actually the same timeline, the same, the same when a big flash happened, et cetera, et cetera. So um, Philip, who is the most cynical man in the world, he will, he will sit here and, not, and, and, and get detail and base it on fact or it didn't happen, right? That's what he's very, yeah, he's very straightforward, tells it as it is. And he says to me, you know what, something happened here. Something happened here. So I've got to, I've got to relax and say, okay, you know, you know David Berglas. Of course I know David Berglas. For people who are watching you may not know the magic world, if you search Google for David Berglas, uh, International Man of Mystery, um, on YouTube, there's some great videos. Uh, he's a magician. Hypnotist. Um, he's even been a consultant to uh, the military on psychological uh, warfare, what we call psyops, mind control type stuff. Now, David um, has has a very clear perspective on remaining unbiased. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you said to him, "I can read your mind," okay, he will he won't react. He will let you show him. Okay, he won't just say don't be so ridiculous. Most magicians will say don't be ridiculous, right? He doesn't do that. He he does he, he remains unbiased and lets you prove or disprove it to yourself. Now, every time I've discussed something paranormal with him or something which is unexplainable, what he's always always just on the side said in every case I've ever dealt with. Because he's on, he was on the um, on the board of the paranormal uh, investigations of the Magic Circle. They had a they had a they had a board that anyone that made claims they would investigate them. Okay, and not once in over a hundred years have they found anything that genuine in terms of psychic ability and all of this sort of stuff. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means they haven't seen it. But he's he said to me most of the time these things are explainable. And he said, and if you don't know, one of the things that happened to me. I bought a house, okay? I um, In the house, under the stairs, where the, there's a little cupboard, there was a painting, okay? I later met a woman randomly in a bar mm-hmm. who I had started to date, who then came to my house, saw the painting, and she'd done the painting, okay? And... Right. And what it was, she gave it to a relative who used to live there and they left it behind. OK, now I said to him, what? Well, now that relative dead. OK. And I said to him. I told my sister and she said, maybe the relative created the, the situation for you to meet her so she can get her painting back. Right. Okay. And I said, to, I said, to, you know what? I'd love to believe that. But, you know, so I told David this situation. I was working with him on his book, you know, his, his first big book. Yeah. And, um, and I've seen him every, every single day we were together working. And I told him the story and he said to me, as lovely as, it's, as, the, as the romance is, he said, the fact is you bought a house that had a painting, met the girl who did the painting and it's you. That's it. There doesn't have to be any magic. There doesn't have to be any uh, ulterior motive or any big, bigger scheme. It just happened, right? And uh, he said, these things happen all the time. You know, somebody says, oh, I was just thinking of you and you called. You know, how many times you've thought of them and they haven't called. You don't register those things. You only register the time when they do call. But all the other times. 
So what do you think people want to believe before we get more into the actual yeah. top six? Obviously, this is leading to the fact that people, what you're just saying, want to believe. They want to attach meaning to things. Uh, and magicians know that because, well, good magicians who actually don't just go, look how clever I am, attach emotion and meaning to what they're doing. Therapists who are good at what they do know about emotion manipulation with positive intent. Why do you think people feel the need to want to attach some magical or mystical meaning to things. I was I was in a group a couple of days ago uh, with a very diverse group of people, and it was an Indian architect, and he said something very pertinent. He said, in the animal kingdom, they've never they've never once created a god or uh, any kind of religion to follow. They follow nature. That's it. That's all they know. Right? He said we create that comfort blanket and is it and he said it he, he felt it was because we overthink everything we overanalyze everything that's how we're made that's why we're at the top of the food chain we're overanalyzing everything and the hypnosis uh, it touches very very um, strongly on this one nerve which is we embellish what we want to embellish Okay, so we we look at what we need. What do I need? I don't want to be alone. I need to have my my imaginary friend that I can pray to. Okay, so now I create this this imaginary friend. I'm never alone, right? And God's everywhere. Oh, really? Okay, so everywhere I go, God will be, right? Yeah, but what about where you go? Will he be where you? Yeah, because he's everywhere, right? Okay, that fits, that works. And you create a situation that fits your need, right? And that's where that's where I've learned not to argue about two things, right? Politics and religion. You can't tu- you can't turn somebody who believes in their religion. You can't turn them. You don't, why would you want to? But if you try to play the game, well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I think I think Jesus was a person, but it's not the Son of God. I don't think there were miracles. I don't. You could do that if it's my mum. She will smile at me and say, oh, well, you know, it's not, but she, she, not for a second swayed, not for a second is she buying any of it. And, but if it's somebody very religious, they cannot be shaken. There's nothing you're going to do to change their mind that God isn't going to sort it out. God will punish you if you're bad and it will reward you if he's good, if you're good. This is a wonderful time for me to interrupt based on what you've just said. And I'm not trying to be awkward here, but on that basis, why are you being so adamant in podcasts you've done on the Internet and stuff to prove to people that the alien autopsy was a hoax engineered, fabricated and produced by yourself and thus removing any element of that anyway any element of hope of something bigger to a whole bunch of people who to them some of them arguably might be like a religion yeah yeah absolutely here's the here's the answer very simple answer okay i'm an artist okay i want my to moment i i've created a piece of art and you're stealing it from me you're telling me no you didn't right so i'm saying no no i've i created this i own it Right. This is, this is otherwise it's a, a huge injustice. Now, when I do my talks on, on the alien autopsy, my opening line is I apologize. And I say, I'm really I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to rock your world. 
I didn't mean to cast any doubt on your beliefs, but all I can tell you is this is the wrong thing to believe. It's not real. I, I'm not saying that your belief is wrong. That's something else you've got to look at. But this is not it. Right. And I then show why. But what is my my objective? I want to claim what's mine. It's as simple as that. I, you know, I've, I've created something I'm very proud of. Um, people in, in my field, much better directors and producers than myself, are talking about it. Mm. So, so that to me is like the biggest, the biggest um, buzz that you can get as an artist, right? If you went out and performed magic for David Copperfield and David Copperfield said on a tweet, this is the best thing I've ever seen. You know what? You don't want to hear from anybody else. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Now, if somebody then says, yeah, but he, he wasn't, you know, he didn't actually do what he said he did. Now you're, well, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't take that away from me. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay. So with some background for the viewers, uh, just let me briefly tell them that, well, this is what Wikipedia says. Now, bear in mind, that wonderful bastion Wikipedia is something that the majority of the populace refer to as being kind of a, a trusted source. And the truth is, you trust members of the public who contribute information. Now, it's supposed to have citations and proof, but there is a load of bollocks on there as well. May However, I, I think these I, bits I'm going to mention are right, which is... I, sorry, yeah, interject just before you read yeah. it. Okay. I have changed the Wikipedia uh, a number of times, and it's been changed back. So, so I've been eliminated every time I've tried to change it. I've contacted them to say, this is not true, and I need you to change it. I've sent them my copyright certificate from the US government that says what it is, the dates, the years, and who did it, right? I've, yeah. I've got that. I've registered that. Still don't do it, okay? So it, this, is, this is, and I've, I've realized, I found out now, you have to pay somebody who then manages your Wikipedia page and they pay Wikipedia. So, so so, this is whatever they write, as you say, is written by people, not by its contributors. I've gone on and I've corrected the Santilli Wikipedia and it's always been put back by Santilli back to where it was. Just deletes it back again. Okay. And the thing so, is, if you go on Wikipedia, you can actually look at edit history. Yeah. You that, you'll see those changes. So you'll see what Spurs is saying. I know this to be true. That's one of the things I was going to bring up. And he's like a mind reader almost because he's explained. He's given the answer to the question I was about to ask. Sorry, I'm sorry. You're all right. But I do believe the couple of bits of information that are truthful, okay. uh, it seems to tie in with what you say is that, um, well, no. It, by truthful, I mean it ties in with the bits that are true, but it doesn't necessarily mean the truthful, i.e. that Ray Santil, who has this company, Orbital Media, yeah. claims that he viewed in 1992 old film, uh, cine-type film, that showed an alien autopsy and that he bought this. Um, and that then in 1995, this was released to the world as the alien autopsy. Which down the line, then in 2006, um, coincidentally at the same time that one could only assume from my point of view, Ray Santilli was making some kind of money out of the fact that there was a, a alien autopsy film being made where Anton Deck 
the British television presenters were fronting this comedy film, also in 2006, oddly enough, he comes out and says, mm, the film wasn't real in the sense of it being the real footage. Um, it was a reconstruction of what I saw on the old film in 1992. But then just to muddy the waters, he goes, however, I took a couple of frames of the genuine autopsy footage I saw in 1992 and put it into what was reconstructed and released in 1995. And obviously your name doesn't appear on the Wikipedia page for the reasons we've just covered. So that's the background for people watching. You can, you can, if you're on Netflix, it's on demand right now, the Alien Autopsy Real or hoax that the broadcast that was done back in ninety fact or fiction fact or fiction that's it alien autopsy fact or fiction uh, you can get that on Netflix on demand now or you can get it cheap online definitely worth watching um, especially with what Spiros is about to share with us which the ultimate question is I need to ask one question the evidence the proof that it's bullshit the proof that you're not just some Brought in ideal person to book people off the sentence. Okay. Um, if you follow the the historical uh, sequence of events, you mentioned 1992. I wasn't on the scene at that point, but our friend Philip Mantle that I mentioned was author was of Roswell Alien Autopsy truth behind the film that shocked yeah. the world yes and also he 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 was the chief of investigations for before british ufo association and so a very knowledgeable guy very down-to-earth guy he he's been involved in the alien autopsy from day one okay before i was even involved okay and this is what happened ray santilli was sitting with a group of people he was working with making karaoke videos in milton Keynes and a very small outfit and they started talking about roswell one of the guys had a book about the roswell incident where something crashed in, in the desert of new mexico in 1947 and they say it was an alien spaceship okay so one of the guys says around the table having a cup of coffee with everybody and they say he says wouldn't it be great if we had some film of an autopsy of the alien right that was that was caught from that crash and Santilli's ears pricked up and he said do you think there'd be any mileage in that? And he said, yeah, I think, I think you know, and they left it at that, like a, like a nonsense, like a little piece of banter between a few guys. Yeah. Santilli went back to London and these guys said, why don't we do a little thing and send it to him? It'd be funny, right? So they they went into a, a barn out, in, out in, a, in a farm and they, they created this scene where there was an alien lying on a table and there was doctors with a gas lamp doing an autopsy in a barn outside right on the internet this is what's referred to isn't it as the tent footage the tent footage so fast forward okay i'm going to uh can to medem the music festival and i want to i'm taking a crew out and i thought you know what i'm going to send a few faxes out no emails send a few faxes out and i'm going to see who's going to be there that might need my services so I sent one to EMI, one to Warner Brothers, a couple of people. And then I, as I'm going through the catalogue, I notice uh, Orbital. It wasn't, it wasn't Orbital. It was um, Merlin, Merlin uh, Productions. And it was Ray Santilli. And he said, and, and, I, and I sent him a fax. 
I'll be there if you need anything filming, let me know. And he wrote back and he said, I don't need anything filming, but he said, you're only local to us and we do do a lot of stuff. Let's meet anyway. Okay. Mm -hmm. now, at that time, my mobile phone wouldn't work in France. Okay. You had to go through a whole thing. Our mobile phone bills were 600 pounds a month. Okay. At that time, this is brand new. Everything was brand new. Right. And Ray's phone worked in France. Yeah. Very impressive. Right. Oh, you, you know, so he said to me, when you get to France, when you get to Cannes, call me on my mobile and we can meet up. I met up with him and he told me that he had a film of an alien autopsy and he wants me to make documentaries from it. And then he's going to sell these documentaries around the world. So he wants me to be the hub that looks after the, the material. OK, great. At this point, I'm thinking the man's mental, right? Uh, I lost all, all credibility. He lost all credibility. We spent two hours talking, and in that time, he seemed sane, and then suddenly he comes out with this, and I'm like, oh, no, I just wasted my time with this guy, right? Got back to London, and he showed me the tent footage, and I told him, this is not real. And he said, why? Why? What do you mean it's not real? I said, it's shot on low band. It's, it's probably VHS. How do you know that? I said, it's my job to know that. It's not film. It's not. No, no. We transferred the film to VHS. No, this is this is originated from from a low band source. And I was absolutely right. So he then realised he's not going to get past this idiot. He's not going to get past anyone, right? So no expert's going to buy it as real. Yeah. And, we, and I left his office. Now he'd shown this footage to Philip Mantle as if it was real. Okay, it's very important. Yeah. OK, look, I've got an alien autopsy. OK, and I've got it from this guy in America and, and it's all right. Now, that story exists. He told this to a number of people, at least four or five people. One of them was Reg Presley of the Trogs. He's now dead. Uh, he's, he's gone now. Rest his soul. But but he had written a book about it and he died believing the alien autopsy real was real. Right. Yeah. So so Phillips lived this all the way through and found out that the tent footage was fake. He met the people that made it. They told him the story about why they made it. They sent it to Santilli as a gag. And Santilli saw an opportunity and thought, let's see if I can sell this as genuine. Okay. It was a matter of interest, just right there, just for the sake of the viewers at home. They sent it to him. You, you did say they sent it as a gag. Yeah. Did he know it had been sent by them? Yes. He did, right. So there's yeah. no chance that he could have been hawked from no, the, Okay. No, no. Right. And I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why that's easily provable. There are two versions of this film. One of them has got a sign superimposed on the footage that says uh, restricted area. Okay. And when they filmed it and sent it originally, it didn't have it. Right. So Santilli is the sort of bloke who says, you know what, it would be really good if you had a restricted area, so it's secret, nobody's allowed to be there. Can you put it on top? And that's what they did. So there's two, two so so if he thought it was genuine, why would you add a sign? You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't you wouldn't tamper with it. Okay. But that's out there. That's already there, right? Then I phoned John Humphreys, my partner at the time, we were working on film special effects. John is a is a super talented sculptor. And today he's a Royal Academy lecturer. Okay? This is not, not no chump, right? This is he's the best. And I said to John, John, you should have seen this thing. It was a papier mâché alien head 
right? There was a gut. There's actually a person lying there with his head to the side, and they had the, the other head on top like this, and they mm-hmm. covered. It was just nonsense. It's just nonsense, right? So I said, you should have seen this. We could have made it with our feet. And he said, why don't we? And I thought, you know what? You're right. So I phoned Santilli and I said, look, I can make this for you properly. But this is the, these are the rules. We'll give it to people free. We'll let them investigate it. And when they can't find out why it's not real, we'll then do a documentary and say, this is how we made it. Okay? I'm going to jump on that sentence there for people watching. When they find out, they can't prove it's not real. So you didn't approach this from, we're saying it's real and we can prove to you it's real. You let them try to prove it wasn't. And when they couldn't, they come to the conclusion it must be. Yeah. Now, here's here's the only thing we had to do. Okay. We only had to say this film is 1947. Right. We don't know it's an alien. We don't know what it is. It could be a deformed human. It could be uh, it could be a special effect. It could be anything. You tell us. But by being 1947, it links it to Roswell. So automatically, the subliminal is it's an alien. Yeah. Because okay. But more importantly, the special effects people couldn't make it in 1947 to the standard. That that technology didn't exist, so it can't be a special effect. The doctors will say this is not a human being. So if it's not a special effect and it's not a human being, but it is 1947, what the hell is this, right? And all the UFO nuts are going, it's, a UFO, it's an alien, it's an alien, right? So so that's the, all those seeds that are planted lead you to a logical explanation, which is where we want you to be. If we told you at the beginning, this is an alien, you know what? There's no doctor in the world that's going to look at the film. Nobody in the world, no, no doctor worth his salt is going to say, yeah, let me see this film of an alien. It's a, it's a joke before you've started. But if you say it could be a deformed human, have you seen this illness before? Have you seen this abnormality before? Now they're interested because, you know what? We've never seen a human with six fingers and six toes on both feet perfectly formed in history, right? We've seen maybe one hand with an extra extra finger sticking out or even two hands. We've never seen, you know, that's an abnormal. We've never seen it. Have we ever seen a female with such a muscular construction, but no no secondary sexual organs, no breasts, right? No, we've not seen that. And we had the top experts saying, this is probably a young woman, you know, late teens who suffered Turner's syndrome. And she's got a, she happened to have polydactyly as well, which is the extra fingers. And he says, but yeah, we've never seen, you know, and as soon as you cut it open, now it's, oh, it's not human. This is not human. We've never seen anything like this, right? So because they bought that it could be human, allowed them to be professional and investigate it, okay? If you made it green and very thin with three fingers and it's so obviously, you know, they're going to say, stop wasting my time because their bias won't let them. Their bias won't let them sit and look at this and give you any credible answers because their credibility goes out the window this is the guy that well you set up a garden path in a safe a feel a feel safe environment for them to go down so that they take themselves to the point of no return that's it and that's a big lesson there for therapists watching yeah so so um you don't challenge too heavy at the beginning because if you try and rock people's beliefs too early they kick back and they won't go down the path 
But if you allow them to go with the path, before you know it, it's too late, they, they, they've already done the journey. So um, when, when we created the alien autopsy for Santilli, the idea was to give it to the broadcasters for free, not sell it, because that would be fraud. Yeah. And, and, and I was very conscious of that. John and I, we didn't want to do it otherwise. We said, look, we're filmmakers, you know, we're make-believe makers. We're not, we're not con men. We're not going to do this. We can make money by showing them how we made it, right? We don't have to do that. So I said to Santilli, we give it free. We, we make it good enough so it stands the test of time. And then we go, actually, it's not real. This is how we did it. OK, and we sell that. That's worth a lot of money now. We've got a publicity machine rolling and now people want to buy that hour. OK, and it will be all over the world. Santilli very cleverly gave it free to Channel 4 in the UK. Because mm -hmm. that's my territory. I would hear about that. But in America, he sold it for six hundred thousand dollars and he sold it around the globe for that kind of money, which was worth a lot more back in 1995. Oh, oh, yeah, they yeah. spent a million dollars making a one hour program, which is the fact or fiction program you spoke about. A million dollars for a one hour program in those days in 1995 was unheard of, unheard of. You know, you spend 100 grand, you spend 200 grand, not, not a million, not a million dollars. Um, so this is what it was worth. This is what it was. We didn't know about those deals because we were trouble is, there's, there's, there's that suggestion of, um, there's that implication that because a TV company spent, for the sake of speaking, 10 times more on an hour time slot than they normally would do at that time period in 1995, that the general public at large would assume that they go do diligence and spending that kind of money, it must there must be something real about it. That's it. Yes, it's credibility. There's a lot of credibility. And then when you've got all the experts, like Cyril Wecht, who was the, the top pathologist, the guy that you roll out at every big court case, this guy did this. This guy's done tens of thousands of autopsies. He teaches. He's he's the guy in court that, that tells the judge what the judge should think. Right. Um, this guy is flabbergasted, and he he's he just doesn't know what it is. Right. He said, look, the procedures are correct. This is not a pathologist, it's a surgeon, which is what we wanted them to think, because the only guy in Roswell at the time who had top clearance, clearance enough to do an autopsy on an alien, was a guy called Dr. Bronk, and he was a surgeon, not a pathologist. So the fact these the pathologists are saying these are not pathologists, these are doctors, these are surgeons. Okay. Can I put you on something there, Spiros? I'm playing yeah. that air of um, either a UFO researcher who wants to actually prove this is real rather than fake or deceptive. Yeah. Roswell, somebody with the clearance to do that, which it, the video is alleged to be. Surely somebody with that type of clearance of something that would be deemed so top secret, yeah. you wouldn't be able to find out, surely, that, that the name of the person, would you? Oh, no, you would. You would. After the, after the event, that there are, see, it isn't, he's not listed as a guy that has top clearance for aliens, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's the hierarchy, okay? So you, you, you have your, your generals and, and you have your, and, and you have the hierarchy and it's a need to know basis. So if somebody is, is put onto a project and it's a top secret project, bear in mind, they didn't only have 
top secret projects with aliens, right? They, they had top secret uh, bomb testing, nuclear testing, uh, new aircraft uh, that were keeping away from the Russians, all sorts of secrets that, that only small groups knew about. Dr. Bronk was at the top of the tree that had all of that clearance. Okay. So who would you give, in, who was a medical person, that? It's got to be the guy at the top of the tree. It's yeah, makes sense. Yeah, logically, yeah. Yeah. So, so um, you know, he's not listed as, oh, yeah, this is the guy that will do, the, you know, it's, it's just how, how it really, now he's the only, he was the only doctor that was qualified and had the clearance. So that's why it would be Dr. Bronk. So anyone that's there, the minute that you say, this is not a pathologist, this is a surgeon, anyone that was there would say, yeah, it's Bronk, he was a surgeon, right? So that, that, that ties that immediately, that just links up that little bit of knowledge. And uh, our research was so, I mean, uh, the girl that did our research was so good. I mean, she had tiny detail, nicknames and little things she found out about people. So you mention somebody by their nickname and it's, whoa, you must know this guy. This is real, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so when, when the, the film was put out and you got credible people like Cyril Wett saying, it's definitely an autopsy and the procedures are correct. It's not a pathologist, it's a surgeon. This can't be a special effects. And he actually said the words. He actually said, if this is a special effect, these guys are wasting their time on a hoax like this. They should be making silly movies in Hollywood. I mean, massive. Well, we were. <laughs> you know, this is, this is, you know, it's like, you can't be any closer than, you know. Um, so the bottom line is um, lots of truths. Mixed in with half truths. And one the half thing, one ask you, because I know, because obviously, I, in your alien autopsy fact files group on Facebook, there's a whole bunch yeah. of stuff more than we'll be able to talk about in the next 15, 20 minutes. Uh, but one of the things is, can you explain the trickery of how you got people to believe that the, the film was of 1947 time yeah. area quality? Yeah. I actually used 1995 Fuji film. Okay, the correct film would have been a Kodak film. Uh, it would have been uh, Kodak, Kodak Super Triple X. Okay, but couldn't get that. That would be out of date. It wouldn't. It would have artifacts within it. You couldn't use real film. But what you can do is you can buy real film from the era that's been exposed and developed. Okay, so Pathé News, for example, you can buy newsreels. They're available. They're around. If you if you look hard enough, you can find stuff like that. But we we struck gold. We found a 16 millimeter black and white film of a baseball game in Roswell. That's oh. important. Very important because the batch number would say this film was delivered to Roswell. Excellent. Okay. okay. Now we weren't worried about that really because before we found that we we didn't care if it was from Washington. Well, that was dispatched from Washington and everything went back to Washington. So so that's fine. It wouldn't have been a problem. It wouldn't have been a hiccup. But just an added le level of another layer. Mm. But here's the thing. You buy this film that's known 1947 film. You have a can that it's in, which is 1947 can. OK, that's an unusual thing. You then open up the thing and you've got a reel inside the spool which is also a genuine 1947 sport, okay? You then have a leader, which is white in color, 
which is aged and it's genuinely 1947 although it has no markings on it it's still aged you've got brand new leader it'll be beautiful white this was yellow white you know aged nicely and then that goes on to the actual film material now when you've got a film that hasn't been edited what happens is you when you put the film into the camera there are areas that are exposed to light until you put the lid on and then you roll it on a little bit and the film that's in the reel then is exposed by the lens not by ambient light but okay. when you're loading it yeah you can you know you, you're under a black cloth and you you, you, but you still get flashes of light and it doesn't matter because only on that first little piece okay so um what you get with the known film is a piece of film which has the flashes and the bits and pieces and, and it's clear because no there's nothing on it there's no picture image on it and then it starts to film now in this instance the cameraman ran the camera on to get rid of the the exposed film from the flat the daylight to get the clean film but he filmed the floor and as he lifted the camera up you saw some steps and you saw a doorway and then as you go to the doorway, you can see the guys inside with their helmets on getting ready to, to play baseball. OK, and there's a massage table in the middle of the room. Mm -hmm. so I, th I think, OK, my job is to take it as far as I can before you can tell what it is. And I cut it at the point where the three steps in a doorway and I cut before you can see what's in the room. OK, now I create my alien autopsy film on my 1995 Fuji film. I then splice this film to the beginning of my film and I make sure that my first shot is that three steps, but what you see is now the autopsy, okay? And as it happens, we never used that in the videos we released, but on the actual film, we did. That's how it started. Mm. So you splice that onto there. Now what you've got now is several feet of dead film that's no good to anybody, nothing on it, there's no images on it, but the first few feet of film has markings on, and the markings are a square and a triangle, and that square and a triangle depicts three years, because every 20 years they would use the same markings, so yeah. it's 1927, 1947, which is what we want, or 1967, and then they stop using the, those markings, okay, so it could be one of these three years, the makeup of the film for 1927 was phosphorus, not the stuff that we had. So you can eliminate that immediately. Now you're left with two years, 1947, 1967. OK, so we're in, you know, it could be 47. So we reel it all back up, put it into the can and we go to Kodak. Good cop, bad cop. I'm nervous. I don't want them to touch it. I don't want them to see it. I don't want them to know what it is. This guy, we've got to get it dated. Come on, relax. Give the man the film. Let's get, let's get it relaxed. Let's get no. Listen, it's too valuable. I don't want it. Don't. Let's go home. No, let's do. Like, this is what's going on in front of the guy, right? And I said to the guy, "Can you please date this film?" Yes, he said. If you leave it with us for a couple of three days, we can test it and we can. I said, "No, I, I can't leave it. Uh, no, there's no way I'm leaving it." He said. I said to him, "In any way, now I know all he's got to do is look at the edge markings and give me a ballpark, and that's mm -hmm. the best I'm going to get." Okay. So he said, well, can I have a look? And I said to him, well, do you mind if I handle it? And he said, OK. And he's like, I can't understand why I'm being so shady. And I can see he's thinking it's pornographic or it's illegal 
or it's something wrong, right? I don't want him to see. I'm acting like there's something wrong, right? He's not thinking aliens at all. Mm. So I take the white gloves that he was going to wear. Excellent. I put the white gloves on. I open the lid. He can see the spilt ball. I then unravel the film and I can feel the join of my film and the other film. It's, a, it's, it's literally two films put together like this and glued together. It's, mm-hmm. it's called splicing okay, in the film. So, so I can feel that, that step, right? So as I'm re- reeling it, once it gets to my fingers, I can feel the step. I can either stop there or I can read a bit further. Now, what I did do was I put my fingers on, on, on the splice and I went further to show Alien. And I showed him a, a shot of the alien. And then I got nervous. And I, you know what? I'm so sorry. This is a bad idea. And I started going, right? And he said, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Can I just see the edge markings? So I then go back and I show him the film, the genuine 47 film with no alien on it because he's only looking at the edge markings now. He's already seen image. He looks at it and he says, oh, it's a square and a triangle. And I said to him, okay, thank you. And I, I, I wound it back, put the lid back on, and I'm, uh, thank you. Sorry, the waste of time. He goes, no, no, hold on a minute. I can, I can tell you from, from the markings roughly what you, okay. He's now intrigued. He wants to know what this is, right? Mm-hmm. He goes to his book and he says, it's a square and a triangle. It's either 1927, 1947, mm-hmm. or 1967. We eliminate 27 because the material you just showed me is not phosphorus. Phosphorus used to blow up in flames. I don't know if you know this. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it was a very obvious material they could tell immediately. So so it's not that. So it's either going to be 1947 or 1967. I said to him, how can we get closer to what it actually is? He said, well, we need at least three frames and we're going to punch a hole in one, look at the, the, the makeup of the film. We're going to put chemical on another one and, and see how it, it dissolves and how it melts. And, and there's, a, another, there's another test that they do as well with light. I said, okay. I said to him, but I can't give you any film. It's too valuable. And he said, oh, okay, well, uh, that's the only way we're going to get it. So the good cop then says, thank you so much. You're so very kind. Is it possible, please, to just give us a letter to say that the film that you've just saw is is either 47 or 67? And that will be okay for now. And that's what we got. So we've got a letter from Kodak that the film is either 47 or 67. Okay. Now, it's easy to disqualify 67 because the technology to make this special effect, if it were a special effect, didn't exist in 67. In fact, Hammer House Horror were making really rubbish films in the 70s. If they had this technology, they would have been used in this technology. Okay, so so the whole special effects world knew this couldn't have been in 67. So if we've got to pick a year, the one that fits is 47 because we're linking it to Roswell. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's how we dated it. Okay. Yes. Okay. So the, the, that letter, as ambiguous as it was. Now, then we found a guy called Bob Shell. Bob Shell is a uh, film expert. He used to run a, a magazine called Shutter, Shuttercock. And he, he, um, he, he's a, the ultimate expert and a ufologist. And he was so desperate to be part of this project that he said he would date the film for us. And I said to him, there's no way I'm giving you any film with alien image on it. It's too valuable. And he said, I don't need it. He said, I just need three frames from that reel. So we gave him some steps, okay, from the film. He took those steps, 
And then he went on on television and said, from the film I've just seen uh, of the alien autopsy, it's uh, 1947, it's shot in 1947, it was developed soon after. It's, uh, it's not old film that was shot today. He did all the tests, right? But he didn't test anything with alien on it. Okay. So this is the this is the bit the Santilli dines out on because it was it, you had this expert completely wanting to be part of this, right? So I'm going to bend a little bit because I want to be the guy. I want to be the guy that tested the alien autopsy film, right? I'm going to be the one in history that tested it. So so my thing when I say when people say to me, oh yeah, but it was tested, I say no film was ever tested with alien autopsy footage on it. Okay, and if it exists, and Miss Santilli says there's genuine frames in the film, Mr. Santilli, please show us the frames, because I edited the entire film and I didn't add any frames. So if you can please tell us which frames are the real ones, then we've got something to investigate, right? Mm-hmm. Because because there's things in the film that I can show you that makes it not real. Lots of things, right? So if the frames that he says are real have those things in them. We can disqualify it as real because this exists, that exists, that exists. It can't be real. So there's the number of things in the film. The table that's in there is not real. I made it completely from scratch. It doesn't exist anywhere in history, right? You mean the operating table? Yeah, the, the, yeah. the, the autopsy table. Yeah. It doesn't exist anywhere. It's my design. I built it from scratch. It doesn't exist anywhere in the world, anywhere else, right? You would imagine if there was an autopsy table in a room somewhere in a military institution, there would be a photo of somebody else on it. There'll be there'll be some evidence of this table, right? There must be a manufacturer somewhere that has it in a catalogue because they sold it. Doesn't exist because I, I, and I know it doesn't exist. And I made that as a challenge. Find me this autopsy table anywhere in the world in history, right? Doesn't exist. The other thing doesn't exist are the suits that they're wearing, the white suits. They are brand new made. We made them 1995 to my design. Doesn't exist anywhere in the world. So are we now to believe the suits are unique only for this this thing the table is unique only for this now every frame that has a table and a suit in it can be disqualified immediately and i can i can show you things flaws i can show you flaws in the suits that cannot make there's no way they are virus proof or germ proof right we had to make holes in the in the in the helmet in order for them to breathe because they couldn't breathe in these things right if they were genuine they would have an external air supply there is no external air supply. We made holes in the top of the thing. If you look at this film now that I've said that to you, if you look through, you'll see that every time they breathe, the helmet goes up and down. Yes. Okay. Now, if it was airtight, it couldn't do that. It would be blown up and it would stay blown up. But it doesn't. It goes in and out, in and out, because they're breathing through these holes. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's fake. There's no point wearing the suit if it's not airtight. Right. So um and you know there's lots of that sort of thing in in the film so if every frame that has a suit and a table or both in it they they have to be fake therefore you disqualify all of those frames and whatever you're left with could be real right Mm -hmm. so what's on those frames that could be real well i've done that exercise it's just flashes and there's no detail nothing there's a scene where i put a crystal on the heart of the alien and the surgeon cuts away the crystal and, and, and shows it. And the idea was, you know, I just thought, yeah, you've got crystal quartz watches and they they operate on the crystal. Was that the one that came out a year ago as mind power kit? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, lately, lately, 
Harry Shufield, who's Santilli's partner, has said that the genuine piece of film is the bit with the crystal. In oh. it. Okay, that's the bit that's real. Right? The bit that's the crystal that you got out of Yuri Geller's yeah, light yeah. power box set. Yeah. Okay. So basically, so basically, uh, I'm lying. Okay, let's say I'm lying, and let's say that is genuinely the real piece. Okay. Here's my question, right? And it's a quite, it's a quite legit question, right? If I am telling you I didn't put that film in, okay, somebody must have. Oh. So why can't we talk to that person? Who edited that piece in? The second thing I'm, I need to ask you, where are these real frames? Because if, if they were there and you use them, they're there. They're still there. The rest of it all got damaged, but you still must have the piece you used, right? And in 25 years, no one's ever seen it. Lots of people have asked for it. Not once has he given the film to be tested in 25 years. So the reality is it doesn't exist. That's why he can't give it. Now, I've given so many challenges to, to Santilli, to people that believe it's real. I've given them wages, you know, thousand to one. I'll give you a thousand to one that it doesn't exist. Prove it, show it, and I'll take the bet, whatever bet you want. Well, I know I've seen that through the, the national media, you blatantly challenged and agreed to be connected to a lie detector. Yeah. And not the old-fashioned, not reliable, the proper, they've now got them that flipping yeah, not reliable. Uh, on condition that Ray Santilli was tested at the same time, because your logic, and I totally get it, is that, yeah, it's all well and good you doing a lie detector test, but if you passed it, people might say your knowledge as a magician, mind reader, master of the mind, it enabled you to take that test somehow. Yeah. But if Santilli does it and fails, which he'd have to if you're telling the truth, yeah. that would then prove and rule out any trickery there. Yeah. Because if I pass, even if they think I tricked it, Santilli failed. And if he failed, that's because he's lying, right? Mm. And and two together support each other, right? On their own, I'm on a hiding to nowhere. Because a conspiracy theorist, whenever I say this is what it is and that's what it is and that's what it is, I've answered your questions today, uh, everything you've asked me, but as conspiracy theorists will say, yeah, but he would say that. <laughs> he would say that. He would say that. That's, that's what they would do. They're making, they're saying these things. Yeah, there's one thing saying it, Lord. The others, they, it's very different being able to point to physical... Um, Evidence. I mean, if I, if I, if I ask you about, because you've told me tons of this, and we've only really got sort of another 10 minutes or so. For example, when people go and watch the alien autopsy video, uh, alien autopsy fact or fiction, um, the t attention to detail so that people could try and prove it to be fake, but then prove to themselves it was real. The telephone, I think, is a, a, a great piece of that. Can you explain why that was so powerful as a convincer? Yeah. Um, everything in the room had to be dated. See, see everyone that watches the, the film has a different expertise. OK, so if you're a pathologist, your, your medical expertise is what you're looking at. You don't know about the clock on the wall. That's not that's not your expertise. And if you're, for example, a, a military person, you, the suit is something you would have come across. That's you'd know about that, but you wouldn't know about medical procedures, for example. And if your expertise is about the telephone, you're a telephone expert. You that's the bit you look at. 
okay? You're not looking at anything else. You want to know, is this right, okay, for the year? And is it in the right place at the right time? So I found a phone which was dated late 46. Okay, that's when it was manufactured. So fitted, 46, 47, perfect. The girl that was buying the stuff for me in, in America contacted me afterwards and said, I've got a kit that comes with it. It's an upgrade kit. I said, what's in it? And she said, I don't know if you want it. It's $18. I said, what's in the kit? And she said, it was a curly wire, because it had a straight wire. It's got a, a little Baker-like cap that goes on the mouthpiece so it comes up so you can talk directly in it if there's a lot of noise in the room. It's like one of those. And there's a little thing on the handle that you put on your neck and hands-free. You can hold it hands-free, right? I said, okay, uh, yeah, send it. I, she said, I said to her, um, what do you know about it? She says, well, they were, they were used in, in government institutions, schools, hospitals, that sort of thing, but they weren't readily available to the public until 50s, right? So I said, brilliant, okay so, okay, so we got it. I took the straight cable off, we put the curly cable on, we, we adapted it, put it back. Now, anyone that knows about these phones, who's a little bit knowledgeable will say, ha ha, it's a fake because it's got a curly wire and they didn't exist in 1947. Well, they did exist. They just simply weren't used by the majority of people. Yeah. But a real expert would say, actually, that makes it more real, if anything, because that curly wire was used in government institutions and buildings. So it wasn't, it was used by the military, it was used by the the hospitals, it was used by the schools. So the fact that that's got a curly wire makes it more real than not. But the 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 thing I needed was I needed to disqualify. You know, if you if you are a non-believer and you say "aha, it's a fake," and then you're shown that you're you're wrong, and then you do it "aha," and you're wrong again, you stop doing that because you start to look silly, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 people see that and stop doing it because they don't want to be this guy, this chump that, that, that got it wrong. And now, you know, he was an expert before. Now he doesn't know his stuff. Right. So it was important to have people pick things that they think are fake. And then we can disqualify that they're not fake. And by doing so, render this person unreliable. So, so the film's more reliable than the expert that's dissing it. So it's, it is a belief system where you stop asking questions and you stop questioning the obvious, right? So you buy it, you just buy it for what it is. So because of that, lots of things went, went by and, and the things that went by was the table. Not one person ever said, I've never seen a table like this before. <laughs> Not one person, right? Go to Google. And, and search autopsy tables from the 40s to the 70s. And you see the array of tables that you will find. Not one matches this table. They, they have wheels, they're mobile, or they're solid marble, or they're, you know, they're bricked up. And they're, you know, they're so different. There's nothing that matches at all. Mm -hmm. Not one person has said, well, this table's a bit odd. You know, what did, what this table? Not one. Because they're not looking at the table, they're looking at the alien table's not important it's it's one of those invisible it's invisible in the room the suits look like they should be real right but when i point out there's a tiny window like this 
why is there a tiny window when I'm, I'm doing an autopsy? I need a window this big. You know, yeah. this is how big they're not this big. Why is it a little tiny window? Because I don't want you to see their face. Right. From my design, I don't want you to see who's in the in the, in the right. But from a pers- perspective of somebody designing a suit to do an, an intricate operation. Who was in the suits? Who was in the suits? Um, John Humphrey is the sculptor that made the body, mm-hmm. was, was the main surgeon. And then my ex-girlfriend uh, had to step in. And she was in the film that you know and love as the anal autopsy. We did two. The first one we did wasn't right. We did it as a pathologist, not a surgeon. And there's a number of things that didn't happen that didn't work, work right. So I wanted to do it again. But sure. the person in the first one was my, my business partner, Greg Simmons. But he's got asthma and couldn't, they couldn't breathe in these suits. Okay. So, so he, he couldn't do it again. That was it. You know, we're going to film it again. He's, I'm not doing it. And we had to bring my, my ex into it. Uh, and she became the nurse. She was the girl that did all the, all the research. So she taught John how to do an autopsy because she'd researched all the procedures. Uh-huh. John is a sculptor. He's a classically trained sculptor. He knows anatomy, right? He built the body that he's about to open, right? So he's perfectly placed to be a surgeon, you know, is, 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 you know, and we got away with it and we made, we made mistakes. He, he handled the, the tools diff- wrong, wrongly in some shots and some people picked up on it years later, you know, they, they use the third finger, not this finger in order to, to, to steady the scalpel. So it's, okay. it's, 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 a, it's an odd way of holding where John did this, which is a natural knife and fork kind yeah. of holding. You know, so but it's this finger they use to steady the, the, the scalpel. And that's the difference between a pathologist and a surgeon. A pathologist doesn't care. It's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to find out how it died or why it died. The surgeon is saving a life and wants a neat cut and a neat scar. And, and the way they cut and everything is different, completely different. Because they care about what they're cutting into. The yeah. pathologist doesn't. There isn't an emotion involved. So little details, lots and lots and lots of little details. You put them all together and it becomes too big to be fake. And, uh, you know, magicians go it to does look, It does look real. I mean, you know, I mean, I know it's fake, but I, I, I know it's it Because, you know, someone who's not witnessed a real autopsy or, or even has, because they've done autopsies on telly, real human yeah. beings, not fake stuff, are expecting certain things or visualise certain things. And it looks like that when stuff's being taken out and then the lens is being taken out of the eyes and it, it just looks as you'd expect it to. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's important It's important to note that um, the things that we didn't do, that we had discussed, were because of uh, what you need to accept as real, okay, as a viewer. Colour film was available in 1947. All right. We, and we debated a long time. Listen, guys, this is a monumental time. This is an alien. There's never had an alien before. They're going to do an autopsy on an alien. Why would they not film it in colour? Mm. No expense spared. They would film it in colour, right? We have to find a reason why it isn't colour. Because if it's colour, now we've got a problem. What colour is the skin? If we paint it green, it's going to look odd. It's going to look jokey. Mm-hmm. If you make it blue, if you make it, it's going to be sci-fi. It's going to turn into a different thing. 
What colour is the blood? We're going to come out. Is it going to be red blood? No, it doesn't look very alien. So what, green blood? Whatever you do, it looks odd. It looks wrong. You, you will have a hard time buying it because it's, because it's too jokey. Black and white, I can control all of that emotion because I'm not answering the question. I don't know what colour it is. It's black and white. I don't know what colour the blood is. It's black and white. I don't know. I'm not answering those questions. Leave it to you to decide, right? But I'm, because I'm not sticking green blood in front of you, you're not having to deal with it, okay? Mm. So what's the argument now? Why is it black and white film when they could have had colour? So we created a backstory. Imagine you're the military cameraman who's going to film this. You're going to be given allocation, an allocation of film. This is a monumental event. So we're going to give you all the film we've got. We're not going to give you five reels and you run out. Of it. We're going to give you everything. So we're going to bring rolls of film in from everywhere. And if we haven't got enough here, we're going to bring some from Washington. We're going to give you loads of film. There's going to be color and there's going to be black and white. The film camera that you used, right, would be a Bell and Howell Filmo. The Filmo was a, a, a military issue cine camera. Mm-hmm. It was notorious for chewing uh, film, the sprockets. Okay, they were disposable. They were given to to people to go to soldiers to go into the field, film, take the film out, and throw the camera away, and and just leave with the evidence. Okay, they were they were that 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 was the situation. So these were not brilliant. They weren't brilliant mechanically. So they did chew films now and again. So we create a story. Because we made a cameraman statement, you know, we, we created a cameraman statement where the cameraman uh, anonymously said what had happened. Okay, And this is what happened. Some of the films got damaged within the camera and had to be manually um, processed. So you put it through a machine, they get processed because the sprocket holes allow it to be pulled through consistently. If there's a line of sprocket holes that are broken, then it would it would just turn wheel spin and the film will stay in the solution and overexpose, right? So you can't you can't put it through a machine, you've got to do it manually, you've got to do it by hand. So he kept back the damaged film to do manually. Okay. Now, as it happens, our research showed us that in July of 1947, the army and the air force that were one unit had disbanded and become the army and the air force. And those people have separated. So the people that the cameraman was answerable to could have gone over there. And these guys could have gone over here. So he now hasn't got the people who he was talking to. This is a need to know basis. So I can't mention it to anybody unless they mention it to me. So I've now got film of an alien autopsy, the damaged film that I've processed. And now I've got nobody collecting it because all the good stuff has gone to Washington. So they think they've got everything. Right. So he sits on it and he waits because what you would do, you wouldn't mention it to anybody and you'd wait and somebody will come. Oh, you uh, will come to collect the film. Now, you know, need to know basically you give me the film. Right. If you don't mention it, I don't mention it. It stays there. And that's how he managed to keep the film. Okay, Because people would ask, how did you how can you how can you get rid of how can you take this film and nobody saw you? How can you do right? because you've got clearance, you're processing it. It's going to be with you the whole time until you deliver it. So he did it and delivered it in batches. And then as it happens, just by, by sheer luck for us, in July of 47, we had this 
monumental thing where the generals he was answerable to were no longer there. They've gone to Washington. He's got no one to talk to. So he holds on to the stuff. The stuff that left behind is the damaged stuff. So now I've got stuff out of focus. I've got stuff that's a bit wobbly. It's not the Can I just stuff. remind the viewer that this is the backstory made up? Because I'm, I know that, but as I'm listening to it here, I start saying, right, yeah, so that makes sense how they got this foot. And I think, hang on, they didn't get the fucking footage. They made it. They made that's it. Right. That's how believable this is. Yeah. So that's it's because it's based on lots of facts. So they, they did disband in July of, of 47. We, all this did happen, and it would happen that way. So it's a story. It's a made-up story. But how, because people would ask, you know, when we were writing the backstory, we said, what, what happens when they say to us, well, how can this guy have gone off with this film and nobody noticed? Well, because this was such a small part of a big batch, and they're the damage reels. And because they're the damage reels, there's there's room for bad filming. There's room for it's out of focus in areas because there's other film. There's good stuff. They've got all the good stuff, right? So this stuff is black and white because it happened to be the batch that that, that, that he right. So, but there might be color they're, they're over there. We don't know. They they've got it over there secretly, right? So what we've got we shouldn't have. And because it's black and white, then let it go, right? Where it wouldn't be bought, right? We had a mili military cameraman saying it's not real. Why isn't it real? Well, you do this in colour. You'd have a tripod. You wouldn't do it handheld like this. You'd have a tripod. You'd have a guy taking photos the whole time, still photos. You'd have, this wouldn't be, you know. And, and our backstory was no photographers were allowed. It was top secret. There wasn't anyone with clearance they could let to do that. So this one cameraman had to do it all. Okay. And this one cameraman couldn't be in two places at one time. So he, he chose to do handheld because then he can get in and, you know, and the, the surgeon, we, uh, while we were filming, I was talking to them because it's silent. Okay, yeah. so I was I, I was directing the whole time. John, nod your head. Yeah, point point to the heart. Okay, that's it. Now now you nod, acknowledge that he's pointing to the heart. Yeah, tell, tell us something about the heart. Yeah, this is the heart. And he would actually do that, but and then she would nod, and all of this stuff was going on. And then I would say to him, John, pretend I'm in your way. Push me away. I'm I'm going to come in to, to get a closer shot. Just push me away like I'm in your way. And and he would then push me away and then I'd film the back of his suit and it was all very it was all very real it felt like there were human beings emotionally highly strung because of what they were doing right so um it, it's it worked out the way it worked because the team was impeccable it wasn't a case of a bunch of kids doing something for fun it was you know I was creating a piece of art John had created a piece of art. The, the, the backstory needed to fit because if I didn't answer the questions before you asked them, it would be blown out of the water as fake straight away because of an unanswered question. So, um, for example, one guy said to me uh, in Roswell when I was interviewing him, he didn't know I made the film. I was making the documentary about the film. And I, and I was asking, him, you know, he was there in 47. I said, what do you think? He said, well, I don't think it's real. And I said to him, why do you say that? And he said, uh, well, he said, if uh, they're supposed to be breathing in these suits, there should be an external air supply. And mm -hmm. I already had the story, right? I said to him, yeah, the cameraman told us he had a, there was a, a, an air pipe attached to a boot. Does that make sense? And he said, oh, yeah, well, that's, that, that would make sense, right? And I never filmed any shoes, any boots. You never see the, the people's feet anywhere, right? So quite easily cover, there's a hole, a hose 
supplying air to the suit, right? And he said, oh, I, I understand. Yeah, I didn't think of that. And slowly, slowly, he, I got him on film. Once he said it is fake, I switched the camera off, told him why he's wrong, started filming again. And he said, well, I've just seen the film again with the explanations that go along with it. And uh, I've got to believe it's real. He said, I can't see how this can't be real. And, uh, you know, and this same man that just told me it's fake, right? Because the story is everything. And, and, and seriously, therapists, I know there'll be people in the UFO community watch this, great. But therapists, um, we know that the evidence that Spiros gave in that context was bullshit because it was a hoax. But it proves how quickly somebody's belief system can be changed from adamantly, in this case, it's a fake, to adamantly, it's real. And it's the same with what you guys and girls do with therapy clients. It can, a change can be as quick and as positive or negative, depending on the context as that, if you've set up the perceptions, the context, the, the perceived evidence rightly. And that's one of the massive lessons to learn from what Spiros has been sharing with us. And unfortunately, we're getting really close to the end. So what I want to say to people watching is, on Facebook, there is a group called Alien Autopsy Fact Files, which is run by the man himself, Spiros. There is so much stuff in there, podcast he's done in the past, photographic evidence he's put up, detailed written explanations, any question he's ever been asked, however ridiculous it may seem, however out there it may seem, is answered in detail to the point where you can only come to one logical conclusion. The man is telling the truth and the alien autopsy was and is the greatest hoax of all time. But to finish up, I have to ask Spiros, I know he briefly mentioned at the beginning that it's about, he wants his ta-da moment. Look, yes, this was fake. Everyone appreciates it. He gets the recognition. And I'm sure, you know, the fact that he may make a bunch of money when his book comes out, uh, he's just icing on the cake. Because I know he's not short of a few, Bob. But And I know that he's copyrighted the film. What, what, what What's happening now? Because I, I was hoping by now your book would be out because we filmed this on the 14th of January 2020. People are finding this in the future. Um, but you keep holding off the release of the book. Why is that? Okay. Um, because I'm not, I'm not an author. I'm rubbish at writing a book. And I've had done an awful lot of work from it and I've changed it and moved it and changed it. And every time I turn around, something new happens that I need to include in the book. My friend Philip Hadmantle that I mentioned earlier told me 10 years ago, this is never going away. And mm -hmm. I said to him, no, no one's going to be interested in this. And he goes, you know what? It's never going to go away. Now, last year, a doctor uh, who was in the CIA, Dr. Kit Green, said he saw my film in 1969 at the CIA. OK, big news, big news, right? Yeah. Everybody, everybody and their dog came forward. Ah, you see? Proof, it's proof it's real. You've been lying all this time. Now, I can't not cover this in my book because it isn't real. And I, I, I've proven it isn't now. Um, Kit Green has agreed and said, I never said that. He said, I was duped. When I first saw it, I was duped and I believed it was real. I know it's not real now. And he, it was basically written by someone else who interviewed him. And the email correspondence that they put out, the, the leaked documents, have been proven to be doctored, read email addresses that were wrong and names, right. that was, all sorts of things, right? 
Um, Chant Hanna is a, a very good researcher in That's America. terrible that somebody might do an alien-related hoax to try and convince people. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, so the, the, the book, to, to answer your question, thank God I didn't release it before now because it would have been, I didn't have to do another one, right? Yeah. But, but it is the 25th anniversary in July. And I have I have done everything I can. I am doing everything I can. I will release it in July, and I'm doing a world tour of the of the of the talk. I'm I'm doing one in in uh, Canada, Paris, Vegas, um, Sheffield, um, Suffolk. There's there's a number of them come up that I'm I'm going to do. Um, that's another reason why I need to own it. You know, it's lucrative. It's lucrative as well. You know, it's a fun gig to do, but um, to, to have it stolen from you is just... And I think immediately, for those doubters, Mike, going to make it, that makes it immediately more credible, despite the fact there's loads of evidence, the fact you're honest enough to say, you know what? I own this and I want to get my just reward both in the Tada, but also in the... Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. But um, on my Alien Autopsy Fact Files um, Facebook group, uh, and I'm proud of this statement I'm going to make now, is I hide from no one. I've I, seen that. I answer every question. I give people the time of day that I shouldn't be talking to mm. because because they say silly things and I can't leave that sitting there unchallenged. So what I do is I very carefully show them why and I illustrate why. And if they still believe it's real, the majority of people that are watching can see it isn't. And if that one person can't be swayed, that's fine. You know, we remain friends, we remain civil. It's been very difficult with, with a couple of people to remain civil because they've been defaming me and calling me all sorts of names and um, approaching my family and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And that's not acceptable. But, yeah. but you know what? I don't make I don't make enemies. I don't, I'm not into you know. But I won't hide from anyone. So if anyone has a question, whatever it is, however sensitive it is, however difficult it is, I will answer it. And you know, I came on here un unprepared, right? I, I've got no, I've got notes here. I haven't got anything. I don't know what you're going to ask me, right? I'm not. I I'm can not confirm. I didn't. I, I'm not, nobody that I've interviewed uh, or are going to be interviewing. I'm not. Some have asked for questions in advance, and I said, no, that's not how this is going to work. Yeah, yeah, but I I'm not interested. I'm not worried because <laughs> you know what? If I don't know, I'm going to say I don't know. I'm going to be. I'm just. Somebody, you can't go wrong. If, if I know, I'll tell you, and in detail. And if I don't know, I'll say, I, I, don't, I don't know. Do aliens exist? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Really, I don't. So, um, you know, does, is this real? I know for a fact it's not. And, that, and that's, that's, as easy as, that's as easy as it is. Thank you so much for your time. On Facebook, it is the Alien Autopsy Fact File Group. Your website, Spiros, is? TheAlienAutopsy.com thealienautopsy.com the link will be below this video when it goes live and i'm sure on that website and in the group it will be announced when the book is available for purchase which i would thoroughly recommend and if you can get to a live talk i promise you we've just scraped the surface here of the evidence the psychology behind it all but i hope you've seen enough to see that uh mr royal here isn't as mad as he may have first appeared when uh, he started telling you that he was going to interview uh, the guy who hoaxed the alien autopsy for a target audience of hypnotherapists. There's lots of lessons to be learned about perception management, controlling emotions, 
and belief systems and all that kind of stuff. So thank you once again, Spurs. It's been a great, great pleasure. Thanks for your time. Pleasure is mine. Thank you. Good to talk to you.